As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. From the Christian Research Institute in Charlotte, North Carolina, you're listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The mission of the Christian Research Institute is to equip believers to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. For more information, resources, or to donate to CRI, call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Bible Answer Man host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you, Randy. As always, questions coming in from so many different sources through our website, equip.org, through Twitter, through Facebook, even the mail. Even the mail. Questions are coming in through the mail. So there are a lot of ways in which we have an opportunity to answer people's questions, and that is a core value of the ministry of the Christian Research Institute, the Bible Answer Man broadcast, and our outreaches around the world. And as many of you know, this is now something I have been communicating consistently. I've been communicating the need for people to stand shoulder to shoulder with us in the battle for life and truth. Reason being is that this month is the end of our fiscal year, and many people have been gracious and have started standing with us, some who have never stood with us before. There are many who have joined CRI's support team. I call support team members the Green Berets or the Special Forces of the Ministry of the Christian Research Institute without this special group of support team members hearing our broadcasts or our podcasts or receiving the Christian Research Journal simply would not happen. All standing together, shoulder to shoulder, uh, making a difference not only for time, but also for eternity. There are four basic categories that we're talking about in terms of support team members First and foremost, as I was just mentioning, the CRI support team, this is a special team of people we simply could not exist without. And then there are donors. And oftentimes I ask people who are donors to consider going from being an occasional donor to being a support team member. And then there are those who make a gift occasionally. In other words, one gift a year. And I just think about the impact that would have 
in terms of reaching people around the world if one-time givers would give twice a year or three times a year. It would equate to hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue needed for vital ministry efforts. And then there are those who have listened for years, maybe some 20 years or longer, who have never supported the ministry. Uh, Oftentimes it is because they think there's plenty of support or there's a foundation that is supporting the ministry and therefore the ministry simply doesn't need support. Nothing could be farther from the truth. This ministry is a collective effort of not only staff, and volunteers within the ministry of the Christian Research Institute, but beyond that, those who are standing shoulder to shoulder with us in the battle for life and truth. And as I am fond of saying, the difference you are making is not just a temporary difference, it is an eternal difference, a difference that not only counts for time, but a difference for all eternity as well. Let's take a few calls. First up is Venice, listening in Bakersfield, California. Hi, Venice. Hi, Hank. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. That's a blessing. I just want to say I thank you so much for your broadcast and continue prayers for you. Thank you so much, Venice. Okay, my question is this. I have an associate who um, believes that the Church of Christ is the only church that will be saved and that members of any other church, such as Baptist Church, Lutheran Church, things like that, are doomed. And I just wanted to know your your uh, insight on that. And if I could, I'll just go ahead and disconnect, and I'll listen to your answer. Yeah, that'd be great. Nice talking to you, Venice. God bless you. And yeah, this is part of the Church of Christ movement, and some of the more extreme factions within this movement actually go further and argue that anyone who views baptism differently from them as not a Christian is therefore lost, even if that person has been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The idea is you have to be baptized by their movement using their formula, and if you are not, you're not part of the body of Christ. And some of the more extreme factions They include the Boston Church of Christ. It's probably the best known of these authoritarian groups. And this particular group goes so far as to say that other segments of the Church of Christ movement are non-Christian and will face eternal damnation. So even within the Church of Christ movement itself, this particular faction thinks it's the only faction that's on the right path to salvation. But I should mention, and I think I'm sort of alluding to that, this movement is not monolithic. It's multifaceted, and because of that, there are also factions within the Church of Christ movement that are thoroughly biblical. They have traditions, like the tradition of not using musical instruments. I remember preaching for Max Lucado, and this wonderful church, wonderful brothers and sisters in the Lord. But one of the distinctives in Max Lucado's church was they didn't have instruments. Now, for Max, that was not an acid test for orthodoxy. It was simply a tradition that they adhered to in his particular tradition. Obviously, he is not only a great preacher and writer, but I can tell you from personal experience, he's the absolute real deal as well. So, again, the Church of Christ movement runs the gamut from cultism to Orthodox Christianity. I don't mean Orthodox with the big O, but Orthodox in the sense of 
upholding all the essentials of the historic Christian faith, as we often say, in essentials unity, non-essentials liberty, and in all things charity. Which brings up Mark Zuckerberg. If you don't know who he is, you probably have been on some other planet. He is, of course, the force behind Facebook. He's the CEO, and he suggests that Facebook is able to offer a sense of community filling the gap left by failing and falling church membership. Now, he has a point. He has a point in the sense that there is a community that is forming on Facebook. In fact, not just a community, but many communities. And in some way, he's seeing this as a replacement to the church. And he's seeing this at a strategic time. He sees the church falling in membership, and he's thinking this is a perfect opportunity to replace the church with Facebook. So as the church is experiencing falling church membership, Zuckerberg says with 100 million users, he can form meaningful communities. And that will not only serve to turn around the decline in community membership and church membership, but it will be the force that strengthens social fabric. This is chilling when you think about it. Because on the one hand, you can't blame him for saying what he's saying. On the other hand, it just underscores someone who is a secularist saying the church is not doing what the church is designed to do. It's not being salt and light in a lost and searching world. And so something has to fill the vacuum. Why not Facebook? And Zuckerberg, as he was comparing Facebook to the church, he said people who go to church are more likely to volunteer, they're more likely to give to charity, not just because they're religious, but because they're part of a community. In other words, you can dispense with the religious part of it. The real issue is the communal part of it. And I think whenever you hear someone saying something like that, you have to ask yourself the question, what is the church? And while I do not have time to go through that in detail, in my book, The Complete Bible Answer Book, Collector's Edition, Revised and Updated, I give you an acronym. It's an acronym GOD, G-O-D, the G standing for the first sign of a healthy, well-balanced church, is a commitment to worship God through prayer, praise, and proclamation. The O in God reminds us of oneness, the oneness we share as the body of Christ tangibly manifested through communion, through creed, and through contribution. And then through discipleship, where those who are within the church are being equipped to always be ready to give an answer, reason for the hope that lies within them with gentleness and with respect. The point simply being this, that we want to know what we're aiming at when we're looking for a healthy, well-balanced church, and then we've got to become part of the solution as opposed to part of the problem. The solution is not Facebook. In a Facebook communion, you're not going to receive communion. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the energies that come from the graces God provides through means within the context of the ground and pillar of truth. When we come back from the break, more answers to your questions. We'll try to take some Facebook questions as well. 
In our post-truth age of confusion, the need for Christians to be equipped with answers has never been greater. The Christian Research Institute exists to provide those answers, and this provision is made possible only by people like you. People unafraid to stand up for truth while it's under assault. People like you whose contributions to our many outreaches are making a difference for time and eternity. Stand with Hank Hanegraaff and the Christian Research Institute during the key month of June to ensure that we end the financial year in a position of strength. To make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches, simply call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. Or visit us at equip.org. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back with more answers from the Bible Answer Man. The complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition Revised and Updated is a comprehensive collection of the most often asked as well as most difficult questions Hank Hanegraaff has received in nearly three decades of hosting the Bible Answer Man broadcast. This expanded edition contains new entries, leading readers to a better understanding of God and our relationship to Him in Jesus Christ. The complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition revised and updated is a comprehensive, handy, and attractive volume that you will return to again and again. Take your exploration of God's Word to new heights and receive the revised and updated complete Bible Answer Book as our thank you for your gift by calling 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit equip.org. Winston Churchill once declared, you may have to fight when there is no hope of victory, because it is better to perish than to live as slaves. Churchill sought to awaken those who were reluctant to fight against the advancing Nazi war machine. Today, a spiritual battle is taking place. New atheism advances in the West, and slavery to secularity is imprisoning more and more hearts and minds in the United States. For this reason, CRI's ministry is critical, but we need people willing to stand for truth, along with the financial provisions to accomplish its mission. Stand with Hank Hanegraaff and the Christian Research Institute during the month of June to end the fiscal year in a position of strength. Call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit equip.org, equip.org. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. 
www.ghostofthecoast.org. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much. Randy, let's go back to our phone callers, talk to Leah in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hi, Leah. Hi, Hank. Thank you so much for your program, and your wisdom is really a blessing from the Lord. Oh, bless you. Thank you for saying that. My question is, when I read in the Word, it talks about Jesus being the descendant of Joseph, and I'm sort of confused about that because we know, you know, he's conceived by the Holy Spirit, but I don't understand when the Word talks about that. I don't understand that connection. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, and I think you have to go back to how genealogies are used in general. If you look, for example, at the precedent set in Genesis, you find that there are 10 genealogies on one side of the flood and 10 genealogies on the other side of the flood. And that's a tip-off that this isn't about sequence, it's about symmetry. There's a purpose in the genealogical construction. The same thing is true if you go to, let's say, Matthew's genealogy. Of course, Matthew was a tax collector. And so he skillfully organized the genealogy of Jesus into three groups of 14, which just happens to be the numerical equivalent to the Hebrew letters in King David's name. So Matthew's genealogy simultaneously highlighted the most significant names in the lineage of Jesus, but more importantly, artistically emphasized our Lord's identity as Messiah who would forever sit upon the throne of David. My point here is that you don't want to read too much into the genealogies because there's a purpose behind the genealogies. In other words, the genealogies are chirological. They are communicating a purpose as opposed to, let's say, a chronology. That distinction has to be seen. So it may very well be that Matthew's purpose was to provide the legal lineage from Solomon through Joseph, whereas Luke has a different idea or purpose in mind, and that is to provide the natural lineage from Nathan through Mary. But it could also be that Matthew and Luke were both tracing Joseph's genealogy, Matthew the legal line, and Luke the natural line. But you also have to remember this, this sort of the wild card, I suppose, to put it in secular vernacular. You have to remember what Romans is telling us about this specifically. The one thing we have to know for certain is that Mary is a descendant of David. And this is what Paul points out. It's Romans chapter 1, which explicitly tells us that Jesus descended from David according to the flesh. So if you want to know about this, as you've rightly pointed out, in the prologue to your question, according to the flesh, then you have a biblical explanation. The other explanations are, again, more chirological than chronological. There's a purpose in giving them because Luke is tracing the genealogy of humanity all the way back to the first man, whereas Matthew's purpose is a little different. He's not going back to the first man, Adam, but he's actually going back in time to Abraham, the legal heir of David. Mm, Okay. All right. Thank you so much. So it's more of just showing, like you said, the legal 
side of it. Not, well, you know. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be dogmatic about that only because there are a number of ways to resolve dissimilarities in the genealogies. And because there are a number of ways to resolve them, we're obviously not faced with a contradiction. But the scholars of genealogies have come up with different answers in terms of why Luke gives you one particular genealogy and Matthew gives you another. But the thing that we have to know here is just the same thing as with Jesus, that there's an ancestry for Jesus that only Jesus can fulfill. It's specific, it's rooted in the Old Testament, and therefore, if Jesus is from any other ancestry, then he can't be the Messiah that walks through the doorway of Old Testament prophecy. And you had the same thing with Mary. Mary can only be the mother of God if she is really a descendant of David. And again, Paul makes that explicit in Romans chapter 1, I think it's verse 3. All right. That makes sense. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. And my daughter, Christina, she's sitting in the studio with me. And I, you know, I think this is one of the cool things about Scripture. You have in Scripture a rich and multifaceted tapestry. And so often people read Scripture in a cursory fashion. and Something doesn't make sense to them. And then they think, well, the Bible's got problems. On the contrary, if you study Scripture, as I have, uh, memorize, meditate, and mine the Scriptures for all they're worth, you find something beautiful every time you start digging into one of these supposed problems or contradiction. You start seeing the beauty, the eloquence, and the depth of the tapestry. I know. I actually, my professor in Wheaton gave me this one way of reading Scripture, and he said to read a book, choose a book, and this might be something our listeners can do. Choose a book and focus on that book for a month or two months or maybe even a year. And I did that, I think, with First and Second Kings. And it was amazing how many details you saw every time you read it. And like, oh, I didn't notice that before. Or, wow, that points to this or points to that. And I learned so much even just about the Bible from just reading it over and over and over again. I didn't have to necessarily take notes. I mean, I did, but that was really amazing to see. And so I really saw that for my own. And I think that's why God tells us to meditate. And like you say, like to not just taste, but to savor the food, to savor the scripture. I mean, like that's why Christ calls it, like it's our food. It's something that nourishes and sustains us. And we chew on it, we meditate on it, and we find different things every time that we do that. And there's a certain intoxication in doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean that in a sanctified sense. I've been listening to the book of Job over and over and over again. And I love the parts when God speaks, for example, out of the thunderstorm. Job is asking the why question, and God is teaching Job to trust him in the midst of his wise. And he thunders back through the storm and he says, you don't even know how I create a tiny drop of dew or how I give the horse its strengths or where I house the east wind, using anthropomorphisms, obviously. But God speaks now. And what you have in Job there is God speaking directly in the text, unadulterated, unfiltered. These are the words of God. 
and you listen to them over and over again, and as I have, not just in the last few days and weeks, but you listen to them over decades, and every time you see a new depth and a new tapestry in the text. It's amazing, and I think part of that is something about what we're going through during the day. Or each day is different, right? You're facing different problems, different struggles, and so you'll automatically see different things because your mind's focused on different things. And I think that that's also indicative of how the Holy Spirit is in the Scripture, and, and it's alive, and it's breathing, and when you read it, you experience new things because the Holy Spirit is showing you new things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautifully said. Let's take another call, Ron, in Winter Springs, Florida. Hi, Ron. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'd like to get your opinion on a story called The Practice of the Presence of God, which is a story about a 16th century monk by the name of Brother Lawrence. Yeah, he was a lay monk within the Carmelite Monastery in Paris, France. And I guess a great example to all of us. When I was chrismated, I got the name John. So you take on the name of a patron saint. And this is John Climacus. Climacus meaning of the latter. John of the latter. And a lot of people wonder, I think you'd be John the theologian. Isn't that your patron saint? No, the reason I love this, this is a monk writing to monks, but the ascetic life and the lessons learned within the context of the ascetic life are quite extraordinary. And I think that Brother Lawrence is no exception. He lived in relentless, vigilant pursuit of the Lord Jesus through an inner path of devotion centered on holiness through the common practices of everyday life. You know, what I would call ordering your life around the divine. And one of his characteristics is speaking and writing with simplicity and humble grace. And I suppose that's something that we could all emulate and something that certainly Brother Lawrence personified. We are almost out of time. Once again, I urge those listening in who have never taken the step to support this ministry to do so. Please stand shoulder to shoulder with us in the battle for life and truth. We pray that your resources will be transformed into changed lives, not only changed lives now, but obviously the ultimate goal, changed lives for all eternity. And so I thank those that are already standing with us, shoulder to shoulder in the battle for life and truth. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to do what I do and for allowing the Christian Research Institute to do what the Christian Research Institute does around the world. So long for now. See you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today. June is one of the most important months for the Bible Answer Man broadcast. That's because we close out another financial year and we can do so successfully only if listening friends like you stand with us prayerfully and financially. With your gift, you'll help CRI impact even more lives with God's truth. Please call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches. 888-7000-CRI or simply visit online at equip.org. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is funded by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth 
matter. The Soviet Red Army won the Battle of Stalingrad. It appeared at first the Nazi war machine would secure the victory, but the Soviets battled back from near certain defeat with extraordinary courage and resoluteness to turn the tide of the battle and ultimately the war. The lesson is that both men and material, people and provisions played a critical role. Willingness to fight and munitions in the arsenal were pivotal. Our contemporary battle for truth against anti-Christian secularists raises the stakes above the significance of Stalingrad. CRI likewise needs military partners willing to stand for truth along with the financial means to accomplish the mission. Stand with us during the key month of June to end the fiscal year in a position of strength. Call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches or visit equip.org. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.